Today on Own the Future, it is all about story, the power of story, the importance of your story, and what happens when a community, a person, is given a platform to share their story and their story is celebrated. Welcome to Own the Future, a podcast dialoguing with creatives and entrepreneurs to better understand who we are, the work that we do, and how we will shape and own the future. Today, we are with Abdullah Amarwali, and Abdullah is a storyteller through and through. He works with Oman TV, the local TV station in Muscat in Oman, and the founder of True Story Tent. Abdullah, I am so excited for you to be on the show. And so from the heart of Abdullah and Muscat, straight to your ears, Abdullah Amarli. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Lucas. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm stoked to have you here. And I thought we could start just by hearing your origin story, where you're from, kind of those foundational blocks in your life that got you to where you are today. Okay. Uh, where should I start? You were um, born. Born in 1990, 23rd of July, which is also the national, wow. uh, the Renaissance Day of Oman. Yes. Uh, one day after my mother was born. Wow. Yeah, like 15 minutes after her birthday. Really? Yeah, I did not want to be born on the same day. <laughs> your mom your mom was like, I'm not sharing my day with you. Not this time. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, so you're 28. I'm 28. Uh, always been very, very introverted. Uh, I, I identified, I still identify as an introvert, not as much anymore. Yeah. Due to a lot of reasons. But uh um, started, I was the kid that drew stuff, uh, in class and at home. I still have a whole box, of, like, uh, stacks of my old, uh, caricatures. I used to draw caricatures with, when did uh, you start drawing? Like, was it like at three, you just picked up a pencil and started drawing or. I honestly cannot remember the moment I started. Just it your was, whole life. Yeah. I don't think there was, I, um, it feels like all of my childhood, it feels that way, but I don't remember exactly when I started, but like, that is how I always saw myself as a kid, even at school. That was my special talent. They're like, uh, people asked me to draw them and stuff, but I used to draw uh, caricatures with like speech bubbles and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, uh, telling stories or, or things that matter like to a me. Cartoonist. A cartoonist, exactly. Um, even bought, uh, bought a couple of books that uh, taught me how to draw better caricature. Really? There was, was that a, when you were like younger or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much younger. I don't draw anymore. Uh, Why not? Um, I, I found more effective art forms to tell uh-huh. sto- the stories that I want to tell. Because even it's even mm. if you think, you know, you're drawing caricatures with like the bubbles, it's mm. almost like a comic strip. And a comic strip is almost like slices of film. Yeah, in a, in a way, yeah. Um, or uh, I, I heard the interview did with uh, with Ali Sharji yeah. uh, about conceptual photography, and yep. that's what he does. In a, in a way, it's kind of like that, except you're, you, you know, conceptual photography is kind of like a drawing a, 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 a like a like it's a one it's one frame. Aimed at telling a story, a so, story and a concept. So he did. Yeah. He did it in a, with photography, which I think is amazing. And yeah, um, yeah in a way, that's uh, it's interesting. He started off with poetry and writing, mm. and then he looked for a deeper way to express those words using kind of conceptual art. Yeah. And likewise, you you've moved from pencil and paper to film as well. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, but uh, I am not as interested in conceptual art as much as I am in uh, telling real stories or real, just documenting real moments. Yeah. And uh, I don't know where that transition happened, but uh, what I know is how I got into filmmaking from drawing, or why I stopped drawing in the first place. Uh, my uncle... Ta uh, had a, he's a photographer and he teaches at the university and uh, he had a course and my aunt had a film camera so I borrowed that from her and I went to this course and uh, he started teaching me how to use the camera I got really excited and uh, there uh, was a bunch of college students I was but I was back I was at school how old were you like what grade maybe um, well I think it was like 14 I can't okay. remember exactly um, formative I age yeah uh, but like at least I thought, and I, I don't know how true that was, but my impression at the time was I'm with all these college students and I was doing a lot better than they were. And I'm like, maybe I found something here. <laughs> I found something that I'm good at, you know? Uh, so that piqued my interest. So I started to take a lot of pictures uh, using yeah. that camera. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> my grandparents don't know this. Uh, I stole my grandparents' uh, video camera. They literally do not know this till today. <laughs> I swear to God, they don't know this. If they ever hear this podcast, <laughs> You're toast. I, I, I've been meaning to tell them. Uh, so, Eats coming up. Now's a good time. <laughs> yeah, man. I missed an opportunity with my granddad. Unfortunately, he passed away last oh, year. I'm sorry to hear uh, that. It's, yeah. Um, but I, I stole the video, I stole this camcorder, the little mini camcorder with the cassettes yeah. and all that. Yeah. And I remember I used to go to like Muscat Festival, which is like a... Yeah. <laughs> and just walk... Describe Muscat Festival. What Muscat Festival is? Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Like, uh, you've been to it? I, I, have, I think I have actually. And you think it's awesome? I think it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good. It's good. It's, it's a change for, you know, uh, it changes the monotony of day-to-day -day life for a lot of Omanis. Yeah. But like, it happens like once a year, right? It happens once a year during the winter when the weather is nice. And it's basically, they, there's this huge yard and there are a bunch of different stalls from different countries where they sell stuff, their games for kids and yeah. food to eat and all That's of that. probably why I think it's awesome because they have kids. Mm. And so, why? So, well, because since I have kids mm -hmm. and there's a game for kids. Something to do. It's like a fun activity for like family and kids. So it just shows how old I am. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> the arcade, it's awesome. <laughs> it explains the lack of excitement from my side. Like, uh, you exactly. Know. Sorry, I interrupted. So you, you but, but back in took the, your camera there. Uh, yeah. But when uh, I was a teenager, that was exciting to yeah. me. The Moscow Festival was like, there was nothing else to do. I wasn't very social. I didn't have... A, groups of friends to hang out with honestly so i took the camera went to moscow festival somebody dropped me there and um, walked around with the camcorder and uh, just ask random questions to like the people at the stores because they're from all different countries right. I, I still remember this mess up that i once i went to this store from kenya and uh, there was an election a kenyan election at the time uh, and there are two competing tribes in that election. And I cannot remember what it is, but I, I've watched the news a little bit and I have like an, a basic idea. So I thought I'll be the smart guy, the smart kid and ask her, this woman about it. Oh my goodness. And oh boy, was, I, <laughs> was I wrong. 
You see, I, I, I made myself like I'm smart and I'm like, don't you think it makes more sense for this party to whatever, whatever, <laughs> because this party is whatever, whatever. And she's like, my child. <laughs> and she went on for like 15 minutes and I'm holding the camera at some, she lost me at some point, but I felt rude to like walk away or stop the conversation. So I stood there behind the camera for like 15 minutes, not understanding a single thing that she's telling me so passionately. And I was just thinking like, when can I get out of here? You know, oh I'm gosh. running out of tape. And this is tape. <laughs> this ain't That's digital. All you're about. <laughs> this, this ain't digital. <laughs> but yeah, I did stuff like that, and then like edited with some music. And actually, before that, uh, I would take some of the pictures that I would take in family gatherings and put some music. Like literally, remember Windows Movie Maker? Yes. Yeah, I started with yes. that Windows Movie Maker, and. Uh, uh, that's, that's, I think that's how old were you when you you interviewed the you decided about, to become a political analyst about fifteen or sixteen years old fifteen or 16. fifteen or sixteen yeah so and not that young like <laughs> still you I know, mean, enough to have seen the news and thought I was smart enough to understand what it actually is about I know? still think it's cool that you decided <laughs> to go around I mean it's bold for for a self proclaimed introvert mm. it's bold to go around by yourself at a festival rolling up to people in booths and yeah. asking them questions about their life stories and then getting into it with um, right. Kenyans about their politics. <laughs> I definitely remember being terrified. Like uh, every, honestly, until today, every time I go out on a shoot, there is like a little sense of terror. And, and the days that I have no fear at all, really are the days I know that the project is going to come out crap or it's, it's, so like for me that's an indication that what i'm doing is uh there is a room to mess up but i know it's it, it could potentially be really good right so there's this little bit of fear of like maybe it won't be good if i don't when you're like on the mm. precipice of greatness you put potentially <laughs> you're like this is you know? gonna suck no matter what i do yeah so it doesn't matter yeah so but but the reasons have changed now in the past is is going out meeting people and uh just being terrified to just mix with people, you know, yeah. uh, being the introvert that I was, which I still am, not as much, but I feel like we we, we would we'll get into the reasons why and how because cool. uh, I put um, I put active effort towards that. Um, yeah, so I I did a I went to my bachelor's and my parents convinced me that uh, IT is the future. Mm, so I wise parents. Mm, uh, I studied IT. I did my first semester, and uh, I knew that I hated it. I just looked at the page of codes, and I thought oh, I could not gosh. spend the rest of my life looking at this. So, came back. I told them that I couldn't do it, and Good uh, on you. yeah, but they said no. Give it another shot. So I did a second semester. Good on them. I intentionally failed every single subject. No, you didn't. <laughs> I, I know it's really bad. Does your mom know that? She knows that. Okay, good. It's a, it's a really bad move. Uh, I, I look back at it. They paid, you know, they they, they paid like from yeah. their own pockets. Stuck for a while. Yeah. They paid from, like, it's bad. But I felt like that was the... At, your, at, own, your only way out. Yeah, at, the, at 17 or whatever, that was, the, it made, like... It makes I, sense. I, I had it's to make it clear out. to them that I can't. So 
long story short, there's a whole sequence of events that happened, obviously, after that, after what I did. But uh, a friend of mine graduated from university in Malaysia. It's called uh, Lim Kil Kuing, uh, University of Creative Arts. Uh, and he's like, I feel like this would be along your, you know, uh, along your alley. But you, keep in mind, at the time, I, I, drew, I used to still draw a little bit. Did a little bit of photography. Uh, I did some video editing. I didn't know that what I wanted was to be a filmmaker. So, did I, you ever get into animation in that time with with your drawing, drawing, <laughs> photography, I didn't video go, editing? No, I didn't. Animation. I didn't go too far with that. Okay. Um, but so I did. I studied multimedia, which I think is a perfect course for people who are not quite sure what exactly they want to do. You get the, the full spectrum. You get the full spectrum. So there's stuff that I learned that I absolutely did not like, like web design. Uh, and then there's stuff that I, I felt I was having a great time and getting straight A's. Uh, and that was uh, and sh- shooting videos and in editing and some basic visual effects. Yeah. And just during my bachelor's, it became very clear to me that the form that I, I'm good at, and not only good at, but... Uh, enjoy doing and people are complimenting me on something that I'm having fun with. Like I, it did not feel much like, like, like it felt fun. It was hard work, but I was willing to stay up day and night to do it. Uh, And I was getting A's straight A's on that. So it became very clear. I, and I remember in my bachelor's, that's when I, I knew that, that this is the form that I will be taking seriously uh, for quite some time. And I did that. That's an amazing blessing that, at a young age, you found your like your tool, so to speak. You're like, this is what I love, and I'm going to do this for a long time, and I'm going to invest myself into this. Absolutely. I don't think a lot of people find that at a young age, or yeah. if ever, some. I, I'm every day. I'm grateful for that. Some people go their like you said, their whole lives without finding. They're looking for that one thing that is their thing, you know, something that they would be good at and uh, not only that they're good at it, but the, something that the market needs as well, you know, something you can make a living off of, which I think is important yeah. as well. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I was grateful then and I'm still grateful today that I was able to find that. It was, it was lucky. I tried a bunch of things and one of them clicked, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I the the thing with Malaysia, that's where I studied my bachelor's. I was so focused on the craft of filmmaking, not storytelling, mm-hmm. but the technicalities yeah. of uh, how do you get the image that you want to get? How do you edit in a way to get the thing that you have in mind? And that's that's a never ending challenge. I think for every creative, you'll never, whatever you create will yeah. never be what you have in mind. But I was trying to bridge that gap. Yeah. And I spent a lot, like I was an extreme introvert at that point. Uh, did not go out, did not date, did not, uh, did not go to parties. All I did was sit in front of my computer and edit day and night and go out and get, I, wow. I'll pull out my housemates because I'm comfortable with them and like, hey, can you do this for me? And like, oh, look, a, a floating cube between your, like was, I was the video nerd and to the point where I, I, my identity was Abdullah the filmmaker. Wow. I had nothing beyond that in my, in who I am. Like be, that was, there was no depth to what yeah. I was aside. Like if you told me at that point to write a script for a movie, it would be a movie about a filmmaker because there is no depth to my personality and my being aside <laughs> from I am Abdullah the filmmaker and I'm a technical guy. 
And I remember coming back from Malaysia and um, I got great grades. Uh, I, I felt very capable and very confident because I put in the time, you know? Yeah. But I looked back at the time spent in Malaysia and I regretted it. You regret that? I, Do you well, still regret it? Not as much anymore because I'm... I felt that when I came back that I missed out on an opportunity coming, you know, coming back to Oman, you know, there, uh, let's just say like Malaysia can afford you a lot of freedoms that, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. that might be culturally a little bit more difficult. Yeah. There are lots of opportunities to uh, explore. Let's say Asia yep. is all next door. Yeah, you get Air Asia, you go to different countries there. So you, it wasn't that you regretted, you know, not study more storytelling. It was that you regretted, that you were locked up for two, three years? Uh, three and a half years. Three and a half years and didn't explore the country. Didn't explore the country, did not, uh, even like uh, on oppor opportunities to meet people, to be social. Yeah. I wasn't social. I was uh, quite the opposite. I was just... You, just. you were just a filmmaker locked in your room, getting just, your friends to be actors for you yeah, for a day. Just, just figuring out my craft. And uh, when I came back, I'm like, Damn, like I missed out. Uh, There's so much I wish I could have done that I didn't mm. do. But uh, luckily I, got, I was able to get a job in Oman TV as soon as I got back, not too long after I yeah. got back. And uh, I worked there for about two years before I got a scholarship to do my master's degree in film and TV production in the UK. And that's when I thought, okay, this is an opportunity again. Yeah, I do want to be. I do want to come out with that with more technical skills. At the same time, I do not want to miss out on an opportunity to explore a whole different aspect of culture. Yeah. Uh, so I did. I try to find a better balance. Uh, so you did it differently in the UK. Did it differently, and it's funny because when on our orientation, um, the head of the department was talking to us about the course that's gonna that's ahead of us and uh he was saying something along the lines that uh, you're you're filmmakers you're like you're here to you're, you're here to tell st stories about people living their lives mm. and living lives in general so it is important for you as much as i want you to be dedicated here in class, yeah. I want you to go out and live life to its fullest and Absolutely. to explore. I was like, well, because like, what value do you have as a filmmaker when when you have not lived yourself? What, like, how, yeah. how are you capable of understanding uh, the experiences, uh, experiences of others when you totally. have not experienced that yourself, or have not even come close, you have not even dared to put yourself. And how can you even per portray that even artistically or technically, even if you did understand, exactly. if you haven't experienced that and felt that? Yeah, you have not, li you have not lived and you have no right in a sense yeah. to tell uh, a story when you, when you just don't understand how how disappointment works, for example, how when you put yourself out there and things don't go your way, how does that feel? And by understanding these aspects of life, you're better able to portray that in your work, mm. whether be it film or photography or whatever. One must live yeah. for, for them to be able to uh, tell effective uh, stories that would reach people, you yeah. know, or else you're just faking it. Yeah, I... I you know, it makes me think of 
how storytelling really is an art. Like there is for sure, there's a technical side to storytelling. There's a technical side to your camera. There's a technical side to, to lighting and sound and you need to be good at your craft. And you did that, but you could be the best person at the technical side, Mm -hmm. but be totally detached, disconnected from humanity, from reality, from, from emotions, from suffering, from joys, from hardships. And because of that, you can't even tell a good story. And someone who is deeply connected with their iPhone will be able to tell a more moving story that maybe doesn't look as good, but the story is actually moving an audience or moving who's ever viewing it versus someone with, you know, the best camera and the best gear and the best lighting in the world Mm -hmm. that isn't able to connect with human emotion because it's, it's, emotion that is storytellers that's what we're conveying absolutely right it's emotion and it's how can we how can we touch on that emotion display that emotion and and tell a story in a way that causes our viewers to resonate strongly emotionally and say that's me i see myself in that character i see myself in that person i can identify and it's like empathy in a way, right? Right. And this is a realization that I made. Um, all those years I spent focusing on the craft of, the visual craft of storytelling. Not the yeah. not the story aspect, but the technical, how do I make my image look like a million bucks, right? Turned out, and this may be, I don't know, controversial to some filmmakers, but I'll tell you honestly, this is how I feel, is one of the least important elements of uh, telling a story through film. I even believe sound is more important. That I, I look at it this way. You could listen to a radio show or a podcast like the audience is doing right now, and there are no images, but you could very yeah. well enjoy this podcast. Yeah. Uh, you could never watch uh, a, like a, a video clip or whatever with no audio. Right. Maybe you can do it for like five seconds before you get bored. So yes, the, the visual elements and uh, and the camera and how things look uh, plays a very important complementary role in any film, but story is king story is what mm-hmm. comes first yeah uh a preceding story i maybe audio but like the i spent all those years like so focused on like i want my images to look great and i'm glad i have that skill but tell you what if i'm interested in telling effective stories uh, that is not where i should have been uh putting all of my time and effort and i'm don't yeah, get me wrong i'm no, absolutely grateful for to have that skill and i use it but i i uh, in the stuff that I've been doing late, like uh, lately with my, um, so there's this documentary series that I directed uh, this during this Ramadan for Oman TV. Wow. Uh, it's called Himam, uh, which is uh, what's it about? So each there's about twenty seven episodes. Each uh, how ep- long are the episodes? Between um, sixteen to twenty minutes long. Okay. Okay. Each episode uh, talks about either a social or charity initiative that's being done in the ca- in the country. So it's each ep- yeah. So like you might have, for example, an individual. Uh, there's Zahra Al Ufiya, this woman who lives in, in Hamra, uh, which is uh, next to Nizwa, uh, a bit far from the capital, about two and a half hours away. Mm-hmm. It's in the mountain. In the mountains. In the mountain. You know. You know Hamra. Oh yeah, I know where it is. Okay, I've yeah. never been, but I know where it is. Yeah, uh, in the mountains. And what she does is she wakes up every morning after Fajr prayers. Uh, she cooks food, 
and she sells these food she sells she sells this food to schools and events and whatnot she collects all of the money that she gets from selling the food and she s- pays for teachers and tutors to go and teach children that live wow. up in the mountains where they have no access to wow. uh to especially the younger younger kids because what happens is a lot of these kids they they live up in the mountains and they don't go to a proper school until much later in life and they become a lot more socially withdrawn than all the other kids because they're not used to being yeah. around the, the peers so she provide um, create schools to teach them Quran to teach them just basic uh, the basic sciences she even has plans of uh buying computers to teach uh, these wow. kids she even teaches grown-ups she goes up in the mountains and she'll meet women and there are women up there that cannot even write and read and she would devote her time and her money her whole life is devoted to this so we did an episode for example about her she's an individual she's not an organization yeah we also did an episode about organizations or well, a, a group at least a group of people that come together and uh and uh and you know yeah uh, have a some sort of social impact uh, so when i well, i got this show a month before ramadan which is a really tight deadline uh, we've been literally we shoot we edit and then we we render it for like the next day it was so intense so as a filmmaker you shoot edit so i will shoot I will, I will shoot for delivery by the next let's, day let's let's put numbers on it i'll i'll shoot uh, episode two today i shot episode one yesterday i'll shoot episode two today but i'll i'll edit episode so one, one to be uh delivered the next day and when does it air that's the day i delivered the it. day that you delivered yeah it, it, <laughs> you have bro <laughs> bro like i have been stressed wow. out during my life wow. like i have not been this stressed out this is i'm ta- this is ramadan this is ramadan 2018 so not long ago i have never been as stressed i literally was i i would i would put my hand on my head and when i look down there's hair i i, never, I believe it and i googled it and it turns out it's a symptom of stress yeah this is it is a symptom of stress <laughs> i didn't know that. i lost like 5 kgs in 2 months it, it's a whole thing but my point here is <laughs> good night I, I had to like as a as a filmmaker when you're creating any sort of film there are lots of different elements that go into it there is the the sound there is the 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 what the audience sees there is the graphics there is how you're going to talk to the host the preparation that goes there's lots of different elements so when you're dealing with such a de- uh, tight deadline there's something you have to sacrifice there's a couple of th- there are things you'll have to sacrifice for sure it's about bu- it's bound to happen for sure i chose for that to be the visual element of it so i was like forget tripods forget dollies forget trying to create this big production right focus on story yeah because everything else could be but if the story yeah. is compelling then people will watch totally right so if it's authentic if it's, if it's a, compelling exactly yes so that's what i did handheld everything we're going handheld we're going to be moving pop up up no like uh in terms of we have one sound guy with a boom mic walking around we had a couple of labs on them but that was just backup we hardly yeah. used it everything is improvised we prepare things beforehand so like okay the hosts were two hosts we're going to meet this person and this is basically what they do let's learn about them on camera and we try to figure out how we're going to go from there like there's very little room for uh, so you don't even have like pre-production no prep work it's like very limited you roll up, meet the person right and you're figuring out the story as you go along 
that is that's the the story how we structure the story my all of my emphasis all of my efforts like i would say 60 to 80 percent of where i felt i put the most effort yeah is in editing because unlike with drama where the story yeah. is structured before beforehand shooting and you know exactly what's going to happen exactly what's going to happen or unless you have a documentary with like a, a, a at least you you drew a basic outline of the arc of yeah, how it's going to you know the narrative go. already yeah. then you can plan a lot you can plan you know what b-roll or visual narrative you need etc but right. but here it was the story was done in the editing room and uh, uh, that is uh, that is where I feel like uh, I, I would say Alhamdulillah that the show I, I, I did not expect it to gain as much success as it did, especially it being an Oman TV show. Because honestly, nobody watches very 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 few people watch Oman TV. Yeah, uh, and uh, those shows that come on Oman TV, they they upload them all on YouTube. Like if you look at uh, the the shows that they upload, you're lucky if. Uh, of a, an episode gets 500 views. Really? This is just not enough. There's no following uh, on Oman TV content. Yeah, it makes sense. It, but so I was, you could imagine my shock when the, the show that we were producing was getting like 30 to 60,000 views. And really? The, like, who would have thought that uh, if, if you strip down all of the glossy, the glitz and the glam, the yeah, gloss. like the studio lighting and, uh, S properly framed images and just focused on story and just genuine raw. people raw story we were so tight we, like, our deadline was so tight that a lot like sometimes you'll see the 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 sound guy in the background and the camera will be out of focus but we'll we're trying to capture people things. love that though Right, if you like, it feels like I am there. But that but I'm the, in it. That is exactly what it was, though. You know, so uh, that goes to prove that yes, uh, technical aspects of things could definitely yeah. aid your storytelling. I, I am I'm saying this on camera. Of course, uh, I plan for season two. Oman TV, if you're watching, we still need to discuss this. The terms, because <laughs> I ain't doing it one and month he before he Ramadan. A pay raise, a big raise. <laughs> just triple, give me time, like triple the salary, <laughs> or triple the time. Okay, like just Both. give me time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he said he's representing. Um, season two, we'll, we'll focus on all the other complementary aspects cool. of it, but storytelling is king, and and I put a lot of effort in that. Like, uh, what Aman TV does is they will take interviews, so you, me, and you having an interview, and uh, which is like a class classic talk show where they will put the entirety of the interview uh, from the beginning till the end. And that's what the audience is, which is perfectly valid. But that is all that's ever been done in Oman TV. Full interviews, like the same way we're discussing so um, fluidly, we're going in and out of topic yeah. and coming in and out. That's what they've always done, talk shows which is great, but that is all what the audience they, is used to. They've never is. produced a story. They've the, never the, gone The audience and... is used to only that. So now when they do anything, it's like, here we go again. Like people are not listening. Same set of questions, same format, same everything. So uh, when here comes a show where like we interview, for example, the person who started the group, 
and we take a brief of the beginning of uh, how she started it. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking of a specific group, uh, the ones that they take care of uh, the elderly by pro- they, they literally got donations to buy an ambulance so that, you know, some elderly, they're so sick that they couldn't move, but their family occasions, their doctor's appointments, and they don't know how to transport these elderly yeah. people. You call them up for free. No way. Come, and they will take them with their That's uh, mini ambulance. Idea. That's yeah. a great idea. So I was talking to her, the the, the person who started the, um, the group, and like uh, she gave me a brief. of I, We had a full interview with her, but I didn't show the full interview on the show. This is an example. I just took the first bit, how did she start the company? Yeah. Then I jumped to the people who actually carry the elderly and uh, drive the truck and ask them about the experience. So now we cut from the beginning of... Uh, how she, why she started it, to the actual technicalities of how it works with these people who actually carry the elderly, and uh, and then I cut to the woman who takes the phone calls and she tells us the kind of phone calls that she gets or the kind of help that the, the people need. Then I cut back to the the person who started, yeah, and and continue in more detail. Oh, as an American, you 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 understand this. It's so, it's totally. so natural. This is like the basic structure of how you tell a story. You you, uh, you know, like you 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 don't you don't you don't have to say everything. You just take elements that that make sense and just group them together. Omanis are not used to seeing that, and I suspect that is the reason. Even though a lot of people will not notice why why is this show so interesting. Because that is the underlying thing that makes it interesting. It's not the technicalities of it. Totally, it's the uh, it's taking a story that might otherwise be like, meh. Okay, they did the charity work. I got the idea in the beginning of uh, the episode. Why do I have to watch the rest of it? It gets boring, right? To because you're showing, not telling. Yeah, to now cutting into different aspects of it, and before you know it, the episode is done, and like, oh wow, that was that was fast. That's my. <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's my intention of like yeah. keeping them engaged the whole time. Not sh- don't share everything. Totally. Uh, right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's how I, 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 after I realized the effectiveness of, uh, of storytelling, I decided to do that with the show. I had to sacrifice. You had to sacrifice something. Um, and I think, you know, it's thinking about your, your story and um, this regret that you have from your time in uh, Malaysia. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so fascinating. There's, you know, it's, it's looking back on that, you're saying that you have regret mm-hmm. and yet was there ever another way? Like, you know, I mean, sure. You can be like, Oh, I could have sacrificed this technical skill and instead gone on and have fun. But then you would have never actually learned the lesson in London, right? You know, so it's mm-hmm. like, it's almost like there was a lesson there that was to be learned. One, you gave yourself to this one dimensional, I'm just going to figure everything out technical because yeah. I want to be the best. Yeah. And then you get back to Oman and you have this aha moment of like, oh, I think I missed something. Mm-hmm. But it's also because you grew to a level of expertise where you had more awareness of what the craft required. So when you showed up to London and they're like, go out and have fun, you could have been like, Oh, I went out and had fun in Malaysia. I'm really going to give it to my all and maybe lost those elements of story. Um, I just think it's interesting how like there's things that happen in our life that maybe we look back and regret, but really they're actually stepping stones because our lives are, are line upon line. 
Yeah. You know, it's not like we just hyper jump to the next stage of life, but it's like we're laying bricks. Mm. Right. Uh, uh, just to be clear, um, I had this regret. I do not re- it, like in, regret in it hindsight, looking back at it, it seems like, well, that made sense, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, uh, like I, I have a lot to work on about, um, about myself. There's the things about me that I like and things that I don't like, mm-hmm. like I'm sure everybody does. Yeah. But I'm pretty pleased by the person that I, I am becoming compared to who I was. And I feel like if it wasn't for that regret, yep. I, prob- I don't know who I would uh, be right now. I don't yep. know if I would be... Uh, uh, and if it, if it wasn't for that regret with this show with Oman TV, yeah, probably would have been like, no, we still need to have technical aspects. We still need to have, probably. we're going to sacrifice story because probably, but once you be mass, once you mastered those te- technical aspects, mm-hmm. which then made you have the authority to say, actually the thing that I'm best at isn't the most important. Mm-hmm. We're going to go raw. We're going to tell a story because that's what's important, having that emotional kind of, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That that emotional uh, residue on the story is what's best, yeah. rather than having to look polished with cool graphics. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, and during the time that I came, after I came back to Malaysia, uh, from Malaysia to Oman, uh, I started to get into podcasts. Oh, you did? Uh, listening to podcasts. What I was have, the first uh, one that kind of like hooked you? It's probably This American Life. Yeah. Ira Glass. Uh, oh my goodness. I still listen to that till today. I'm, please never stop, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to this. Like, I know you're like, I don't know, a thousand episodes in, but just never stop, man. Uh, I started with that and I moved on to like Radio Lab. Uh, do you know? Yeah. Um, and it just kept building, building upon that. And what, what struck me, with like, I always had an idea of what a podcast is. It's a radio on the internet. Yeah. Now, what is a radio to me? I listen to Oman radio. Is like random talk that leads nowhere is usually what I listen to in, right. in, in the radio here in Oman. It's just like, how do we it's fill like a filler exactly. morning talk show radio where it's just light fluff with, you know, fake news. Yeah. And, you know, exactly the Beatles. And then you imagine song. my shock when I listen to this American life. And I remember the first thought in my head is like, this is a documentary, but yeah. I just cannot see it. But it's a full on, full on, full on documentary that I'm listening to right now. Like, I was hooked instantly, Man. instantly. When I, when I listen to podcasts like that, um, it brings me back to my childhood, actually. Mm. Growing up in Chicago, my parents would listen to, I don't know if it was AM or what stations, but they would have those stories. Mm-hmm. And I remember there, I think it was like some kids programming, but it was like that. It's full-on documentary, full-on storytelling with sound effects <laughs> and all that stuff. So when I when I you know listen to the modern-day podcasting, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is just like old-school radio this is awesome. It hasn't died. The format has just changed. You think of it as old school radio because you had that. Because like, I had that. Yeah. To me, this is like totally new yeah. school, man. Like I don't, I don't, I just, I just, I literally thought this popped out of nowhere. And then I, I looked up the, like when this American life started and it started way before, like the internet was a proper thing. Oh yeah. You know, like this, this is old. Because, because didn't Ira, he used to be, um, he used to be in broadcasting mm. for years. And so he had decades of experience. So when he finally did 
uh, This American Life, mm. he was just like crushing it. Yeah. And, and people were yeah. like, oh, you're an overnight success. He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, overnight as in like 20, 30 years. Um, so I, 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 I was hooked to that. I, uh, like uh, I, after I came back from Malaysia, I was listening to a lot of that. I remember I started to get even deeper into it when I was in the UK. And, you know, in the UK, I'm, I'm from Oman. We, we drive everywhere. In the UK, you walk everywhere. And I was a fat kid back then and this whole thing. And I was not keen on walking. Uh, but like put, I put my podcast on and I would walk like 20 minutes to whatever my university. And, and I look like, I love that walk because I'm like, I'm, I'm plugged in. Yeah. I'm in a whole different world. Now you need listening to these stories that are so amazingly structured. Like you're watching a movie or uh, you're watching a documentary and you're just in your walk. You're almost visualizing everything Absolutely. in your head. This man, I don't like the impact of of uh, podcast on me. Like I listen to podcasts every single day until today. Not a day goes by without listening to a podcast. Right. Hell, it can be like uh, Planet Money, you know, from NPR. Yeah. yeah. But like, uh, it's become part of my ritual: uh, listening to podcasts, totally. driving a car, walking around, or before going to bed. You know, I pick the little, the more boring ones before going to bed because I wouldn't <laughs> mind. I wouldn't mind sleeping. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, Just you know, he doesn't listen to my podcast <laughs> before he goes to bed. <laughs> And neither can you. <laughs> Don't sleep. We should just peek the audio every once in a while just to make sure people are awake. Ah! <laughs> um, so, uh, and, and I started to, re like, I see myself uh, dabbling in podcasting. Yeah. And I feel my skills as a filmmaker is very transferable. As a documentary filmmaker, for sure, it's very transferable to podcasting. Yeah. So, uh, if you would ask me what you think the the uh, the coming steps would be, aside outside from filmmaking, I definitely see uh, to go see into an audio, into audio, into podcasting, because I have felt the effects on it on me, which which helped, like, also reaffirmed my realization that. I'm a filmmaker because because you're a storyteller. Because I'm a storyteller, it, it was it's an effective form for what the stories I wanted to tell. But there are a whole different set of stories that I want to tell that would be a lot more effective uh, as in audio format. Yeah. So uh, I don't want to limit myself as uh, I'm a filmmaker or I'm a photographer. I'm also a phot I take pictures. Yeah. But if that is the most effective way of telling a particular story then I'm willing to jump in that medium, whatever that medium yeah. is. I'm actually surprised that um, in the Gulf and Oman and uh, the rest of the Khalij, that podcasts aren't a bigger deal yeah, than what not. it is. Because, I mean, I think what you're pointing to and what you're referring to is as human beings, right, when, when we're watching a film – and we're outside the room and all of a sudden the music changes. Mm -hmm. We know that something's about to happen. We run back to see what's happening. But <laughs> even when you're, when you're watching a movie with the sound off in a dramatic scene, it doesn't move you because Nothing. you don't have the audio cues. Yeah. And so I, I think, you know, as humans, we are an auditory culture, even though we're watching films, even though we now have books we're still at the, the, the root of it all. We're an oral culture and uh, you know, in the Gulf, 
I think you guys are much closer to those oral roots because modern civilization took a little longer to get to, you know, the Sahara. So, yeah. so I'm the just Bedouins, suppo- the desert yeah. people, where they were known for their, their, their storytelling abilities and their poetry and their. I'm just surprised that it hasn't hasn't just like that shocks me as well. Taken off, yeah. I think, I think it will. I think in in time it will, mm-hmm. you know, reach market saturation. But um, I just think it's interesting what you're pointing to in storytelling. You're coming kind of full circle back around to an oral culture, right. and you know, even you pointed out you it oral an oral culture and podcasts and listening, it saves time because you're able to walk to class and hear amazing stories. You can't necessarily you can kind of read, but it's kind of distracting, mm. and you can kind of watch a video, but it eats up all your data, and you also need to see where you're going. Yeah. But with oral much like with with the written word with books, it engages your imagination on such a different level that causes you to be enveloped in the world. Um, I think I mentioned it on uh, maybe it was a it was a previous podcast, but one of my favorite books of all time is Crime and Punishment okay. by Dostoevsky. It's a thick Russian novel, and uh, I just get enveloped into this world where I feel like I'm there and feeling all the emotions and. and can visualize the world around. And when the book finishes, I feel like a part of me's died because I was in this other reality that my imagination painted and created. And what you're saying is through audio, um, it creates that similar imagination through audio where with a visual format like video, there's not a whole lot of imagination because it's you know what you see what you see is what you, you get, see yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. so the, with audio part of the work is on you <laughs> to visualize it and to yeah to see it so it uh, like Which gives you personal ownership in that story almost yeah and let's put it this way you could see i don't know i don't know who 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 do you, i don't know if i'm going to get you into trouble for this no, go for who, it. who do you think is a very attractive actress I'm I'm not a big movie person. <laughs> you could see, okay, let's just say you could see the hottest actress ever and think like, wow, she is gorgeous in a movie. But if you're engaged in such a, um, if you're engaged in a story in a podcast form or a book, and they tell you how amazingly gorgeous this person is, and you've never seen it, she's she's gonna be way more beautiful than you would. Yeah, because in your imagination, yeah, same you're goes, painting the picture same as you goes want with to. Fear, like you, you yeah. can, they could show you like scary imagery on a, a does, monster in a movie is only scary when you can't see it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hence, why Paranormal Activity is one of the most <laughs> successful films of all time. Man, exactly, that, that cost like fifteen thousand dollars to produce. There was nothing in exactly. it. Exactly, but people loved it, including myself. By the way, just I don't know, guilty pleasure. Love that movie. Yeah, absolutely. So audio. Um, intrigues me um, and coming back to the point you're making about um, storytelling and uh, oral cultures or yeah, being part of the Arab culture and uh, which is a huge part of our culture like, yeah. you know the, the Quran takes pride in the, uh, in the, its language ability and how it's able to portray stories so it's very deeply ingrained in our culture that's why it surprises me that uh, storytelling, uh, uh, of podcasting, and more yeah. uh, stuff like this isn't here. So, 
there's there's a few who are doing it really great. Yeah. Um, but there's not enough. It's it's not part of culture now. And it, yeah, it's not part of culture now. And there's not a huge consumer base from not what yet. I understand. It's, yeah, not yet. It hasn't. I, I, we're all humans, man. Like stories will get you no matter who you are, where yeah. you come from. A hundred percent. Right. It's just, uh, <laughs> yeah. So it just have not reached people the, uh, the right way yet. Or it, it, it's, I see it growing. So uh, uh, this is like one of my favorite types of podcasts. Uh, I, I love the highly edited and produced podcasts. Yeah. Okay. Like, you know, stuff from Gimlet media, like R- reply all and uh, yeah. startup and yeah. uh, all that good stuff. I mean, all you podcast lovers, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. man. That's like the, that's the top of that's the top. where it's at. Yeah. yeah. Uh, including this American life radio, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's good. But I also love um, uh, podcasts where Literally, it's a person standing in front of a mic and just sharing a story. It could be one-on-one interview. It can be in many different ways. One-on-one interview where you'll just hear a person sharing their personal story. and Or it could be a person standing on stage and sharing their story, like the Moth Radio, for example. Uh, and the Moth Radio is, is that. It's somebody stands in front of a sta- uh, on a stage in front of an audience not rehearsed uh, or they don't have any piece of paper or whatever. Yeah. And they just share a story, any story from their lives. And, uh, and it's so raw. It's so like not edited. It's just them there in front of an audience. You can hear them, uh, their fears and like, you, you know, and you can hear the audience react with them. They're laughing or they're like, uh, yeah, you can feel the presence of the audience. And, I I I really wanted to attend a moth event. Really, really like I just wish I could attend one, and I couldn't. They have them in I think they have them in Chicago or in the U.S. in some place, and they might have an event once in a while in London. But I was in Oman, and uh, I remember thinking that maybe eventually somebody is gonna maybe even in Dubai they will have like a, an event or something like the moth where maybe people, someone will bring the moth to the golf and yeah, you could attend yeah I just wanna like I just really wanna attend and uh, and I waited for about three or four years for that and then uh, this year I said screw it man like no one's gonna do it I'm tired of waiting so when in your waiting was it um so for those of you listening, Abdullah has a, a, uh, it was a show, a gathering. What was the correct word? I, I like to call it a gathering, but it's a, really, it's an event, but it's an event, but a gathering is more intimate because that's what it is. Gathering, event, community, a true story tent. Yeah. And in your, your events, mm-hmm. you gather people, there's food, everyone's laughing and people come up and, and share their stories, much like in The Moth, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so so in, in those four years, three, four years, mm-hmm. were you think, was there was there a recurring thought, oh, I should start this, I could no. do this, this is easy, or is it just like, <laughs> when is someone else going to do this already? I am. I never saw myself as an event organizer. I One, one of the first things I do when I produce a, a film or a TV show, I get a producer. I don't, right. I don't, I don't like the aspect of making phone calls and figuring things out. This, it's just, it's not something I enjoy. You're an introvert that wants to be in front of your computer honing your I craft. I want to create and I want yeah. somebody to do all of the talking to people stuff. Like yeah. basically yeah. <laughs> that's, that would be the ideal world, you know, for yeah. me. Um, so it never occurred to me that that's something that I should do. I just wanted it to happen. 
and no one was making it happen. And I waited and I waited for years. And I wish I can tell you what it is exactly that happened in 2018, but in January or February, I thought, okay, I'm just going to gather a bunch of my friends, people that I know personally. I'm going to get them to a cafe. I spoke to a new cafe that just opened. So they yeah. were open to something like this. Yeah. So I'm just going to get a bunch of my friends. They're going to come together. Can you please shut it down for us? Because I want everyone to feel comfortable. And each person who wants to tell a story will go up in front of everyone on a, with a microphone and share one true personal story from their life. Just like Did the, everyone know everyone that in that first one? Pretty much. Pretty much. I just wanted like a, a an intimate setting. I wanted a, a proof of concept. Yeah. I just wanted to know that I'm. It's not stupid what I'm doing now. L- listen, as I'm, if the I, moth. I, yeah, but podcast the, was improved. I guess you have to. Does it work in my it, market? Exactly, does it work here in Oman? Exactly. Is it transferable? Yeah. I, I'm, listen, I'm. I I I do not pretend like I was trying. I'm trying to be inventive. I wasn't trying to create something like this. Ooh, all what is this concept? Yeah. That was never my intention, and it's not my intention. I want to attend an event. You I created want to it for att- yourself. I wanted. I swear to God, I just want to attend <laughs> a storytelling event because I enjoy listening it so much. I was like, I wonder how it feels like to attend one of these. Yeah, and because no one did it, and I was like, ah, I don't want to do this. But like, I why not me? Yeah. Someone who has been so engaged in storytelling and, and uh, yeah, there's a little bit of organization going on here and there. I, I have friends that could help me out and, but why shouldn't it be me? Absolutely. You know, that's what I asked. That's, that's, that's how I came to terms with doing it. It's like, uh, uh, I could, it, like, it, it just makes, it, it, it won't offend anyone's uh, logic or anyone's person. Right. Like, what, and it's like, like, if you want it and no one else is wanting yeah. it. So why not me? Why not you? Yeah. So I, I did it with my friends just to make sure that, I don't know, I don't know why, why I thought like Armani's would be any different from like the Americans or the, but you know, you Sometimes just, just want to be safe. Yeah. Get my friends and all, and they, they shared their stories. It's very intimate. We all knew each other. And I asked, I went and asked all of them, you know, like about their experiences immediately after their talk and a few days later. Uh, uh, so what I, I, I got so much just being, I was so happy to attend and listen to their stories. To me, I thought that is the extent of it, that the people who are there attending, listening to stories, maybe they'll get some wisdom. They will learn mm. something from the storytellers. What I didn't realize, the impact it had on the storytellers themselves. Yeah. Who stood there and shared their stories in front of people. Like, I was just looking at it from as an audience, because I've always been affected by the stories I heard. Never thought about it from the perspective of, of the, the storytellers teller. standing there. For example, a friend of mine, Aisha, who shared the, her story, she told me that, uh, like a, a few, a couple of weeks after the event, she's like, it's so weird because now when I, sh- this is what she was saying, when I sh- uh, tell a story to my friends, just uh, regular yeah. friends, I'm a lot more wary on how I structure my story. What do I want to start with? How do I lead it? And then how do I end it? Because what happens in a lot of conversations, you, you, you've been in groups and yeah. you've seen there is that great storyteller. Yeah. 
And then there is the guy who tries to speak and gets cut off all the time. Yeah. And then you have people in between. But you have that great story. Why is everyone so engaged with this one person? Whenever they speak, they listen till the end and have a great laugh in the end. They were able to go all the way through. But then you have the, this person. Um, uh, if, if you don't know that person, it's probably you. If you can't spot the loser at the table, you're the loser. <laughs> yeah, but then you have this, the person that is just... And it's not because their story is any less interesting than like the substance it's delivery. It's delivery and it's structure. The structure is the way you you go about it. And she she told me that she started thinking a lot more about, uh, and she's noticed a difference in her the way people perceive her, the way people perceive her stories, the way people take in her stories. Aside from all the other people who are like, you know, I never thought I was speaking in front of an audience, and like, man, it's like I did not expect the impact that it would and have. Aisha is her name. Aisha, yes. So for her, did you give coaching or training or was there, was there like kind of suggestions or did she just do her own personal research before she's like, I'm going to be telling a story, public speaking. Mm -hmm. I think it's like the greatest fear before dying is public speaking. (laughs) And so did she like research and because of that, she came prepared and she saw it a great effect and then she's thinking more or what, what triggered her Mm. to Uh, think uh, more? about how she so what delivers she, a story. From, from what I remember, what she told me she did, because I all, all I said, honestly, I didn't give many much instructions or many instructions. All I told her is just, uh, and I told everyone this, um, just think of the beginning, the middle, and the end. Yeah. Uh, I, and I, I just wanted to know what people are going to, like, w- I, I realize now that I have to yeah. provide more because let's, uh, we'll come to that later. Yeah. But what she told me she did was she she went through the story in her head and and took a pen and paper and started writing out some of the key points. Yeah. And that forced her to remember some of the details that maybe she forgot or like to recall uh, like some key transition points within her story. Mm-hmm. It, it forces it forced her to deeply reflect. Yep. On her story. Yeah. So when she is when she is telling her story in front of a crowd, when the crowd takes up a piece of wisdom or they learn something from her story, she she also learned that thing. Yeah. Because she was forced to reflect on her story, to think about yeah. it, which a lot of people don't do. They just go through life and things happen to them and subconsciously changes them and maybe they don't know how, but... Yeah, but a lack the, of self-awareness, but mm-hmm. by taking that story, writing it down, getting it outside of herself and then having to read it with her eyes. It's yeah. like, it's almost look like looking in a mirror when you, exactly. it's like the power of journaling. And, and therapy, the power yeah. of therapy. What totally. are you doing? You're just talking things out and then you, you realize things. No, the person isn't telling you anything new, but just you talking things out. You're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So I did, I did not, uh, I did not anticipate that aspect of it. Like yeah. what the storytellers were doing. I also, I also shared a couple of stories there and I felt the same effect. Like, wow. But uh, that, that, that uh, I don't want, uh, that's to me, that's not the, like, I will not be regularly sharing stories. I honestly. Right. You didn't build it as a platform for your, you know, no. public speaking, you know, Mm-mm. had no intentions to, I just felt, tour. I just felt it was uh, appropriate or it was to encourage people that I have to also be brave 
because I don't you like to lead by example. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like to speak in front of people, but like if, if, if I'm going to ask my friends to do it, then why am I sitting by? Like, I was like, just do it. And I did. Yeah. But honestly, I attend True Stories and <laughs> like, like I said, I started because I wanted it to exist and I'm sitting there during the event and just, I'm such a fan of it, you know? I love that. I'm like, I'm like, I'm so like, this I is, this is moth in Oman. And I swear I have, I have nothing but love for the moth. You guys, if you ever want to reach out, man, like seriously, you, the moth is where I got inspired to do this because listening to the moth, there's so many stories told from people from all around the world. Uh, and you live a hundred lives, man. And just, in and just listening to people's stories, you, you're put in perspectives that you would, you would never conceive of on your own, or you would never experience in your lifetime. And so I grew so much just listening to these people's stories, but like the thing that, that was lacking was every once in a while, very rarely there will be a, an Arab guy or a girl or someone who lived in the Arab region. Yeah. And the story does not have to do with terrorism and uh, just something raw and real and normal, just yeah. normal, man, you yeah. know, like, uh, and I have this sense, like, like, yes, like I understand where you're coming from. Like, I understand why this is a problem to you more than it is a problem to someone who lives in the West. I understand the nuances of what you're saying, and I wish there is more of that. So to have stories that come from this region, from people who live here, from people who are from here, is every time I get that story from a person from the Middle East, from the moth, now I get it all the time in yeah. a true story tent because it's it's from here. Yeah. Uh which is really the main motivator of like, uh, like, yes, I want to attend this event, but what is this for? And, uh, you know, what is the bigger, what am I giving back? Why am I going out of my comfort zone to begin with, to attend one event? Because I could attend one event and be happy and not bother. But the, the, the driving force of like, I should do this is, I want to attend this. This is so cool. But man, um, I, I, you know, I travel, I travel quite a bit. The last couple of years I've been traveling and I, I am so wary of how I am perceived, maybe more than other people perceive mm -hmm. me. I'm like, I, I know I carry around the stigma of being an Arab, at least that's the weight that I carry in my bag. Yeah. So I overcompensate sometimes being like, Hey, just a friendly guy. I'm not here to hurt you. Just like, <laughs> doop -doop -doop -doop, Arab guy, just having a good time. You know? You know? <laughs> You know, but like I am, because I am, I'm very aware of what the media says and maybe more than I should be. I, I, I carry this weight that's not necessary. And I yeah. learned that through time. I, I don't have to carry that weight, but nonetheless, the fact that I even carry that way, I'm, a lot of people do carry that weight with them is because of what people think the Arab world is like, what they think we think, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, the, the man, the, the issues, the challenges we go through, we might have a different background, but when you break it down, we're all the same. And so true story tent is hopefully potentially a way to bring these stories out to the world. Right now it's an event form, but I was just talking about how much uh, effect podcasts have Very on me. Amazing. I would love for this to just go out to the world and for people to be able to listen to this. Uh, and hopefully not Arabs only, like just yeah. this, like the same way I would listen to Western stories because there is, there is just basic human humanity, humanity and it's it, humanity that, yeah, the cultures might, might differ, 
but the humanity is the same and it should be as compelling to any like to yeah, anyone i think it's it's empowering for a people group and a culture especially one that's been stigmatized by um like you said like terrorism mm. by the western media which I, I forgot who i was telling just just the other day i said something like well i, I understand why all that they, I think it was someone who's saying how their family always freaks out whenever something happens because they don't even understand where countries are in the Middle East. Right. And uh, I was telling this person, like, I understand why the media in the West only reports on negative things in this region. It's because otherwise they have they have nothing else really to yeah. report on. Just like yeah. you're not going to be reading reports on, you know. <laughs> you know, little <laughs> Louisiana and like how this kind woman gave someone flowers and like yeah, saved a, a puppy. A, like the, no one cares. There was a comedian who said like, uh, yeah, you won't see news of like just a uh, big Arab guy just baking cookies. Like, hey, here's some cookies. Uh, I forgot who it was. Some Iranian comedian, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, so not, I, it's not newsworthy. So it's not. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, under, I understand that. Um, but at the same time, there's, there's something empowering when a people group is given a voice, mm -hmm. when they're given a platform to say, no, this is my story. This is my narrative. I'm not like this. I'm not like that. I'm, I'm just a human being trying to figure it out. Just like every other human being from China to India, to the UK, to Canada, to America, to Venezuela. Yeah. Like I'm just trying to figure it out. Sorry, Australia. You're in there too. Um, so, so I think there's something empowering about giving giving people that platform. One, two. I, you know, the middleman is dead, right? You were talking about, you know, you work for Oman TV, a middleman going to the people, but they still post it on YouTube, or you're getting, you know, maybe just as many views as you did on the actual TV station. I don't know. Hmm. Um, but the middleman is dead, and now you you are able to tell stories at zero costs and distribute them all across the world yeah. and create a platform for yourself and for, you know, your, the people around you, your friends around you. And you're able to tell the narrative of your people, of your nation, of your land and say, no, this is our story. And I feel like that is something that is empowering and freeing, probably much like, the way when people stood up in front of that mic, even though it was in front of their friends who they've, they know they could tell the story to them at any time. Mm -hmm. This, this vulnerability of standing up and saying, you know, this is my true story. This is my vulnerable story, who I am. And it's freeing and it's liberating. It's like, it's like that, that sigh of relief of like, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. The worst is before you tell that story. Yeah. After you tell it is everyone is like, wow. Like, you know, and there's it's this exchange out. in it. Yeah. In that story, you're you're exchanging with another person. And because of that, you feel a sense of connection and intimacy. Yeah. Uh, my hope is because I started True Story Tent with my group of friends. And my like a lot of the people who attend have similar mentalities than yeah. I do. We're not the same, but we have uh, maybe close or similar views on like life and all. My hope is to be able, for example, to get a storyteller that from the Middle East who shares, say... A guy shares his, uh, an experience that he had dating. Maybe he, had, he dated someone and went off. Yeah. Of course, dating is, 
uh, haram and it's uh, that's that's like I'm not here to judge. We're not here to judge. You went through an experience. You learned something out of it, whether it's haram, it's not. I I want a platform where after this person, say a person comes and tell tells us a story about how he found peace with uh, Allah and God. Like I want everyone to come there, whether you're ex- extremely religious or not religious at all and everything in between uh, from every type of background to be able to come there and not judge, just suspend your judgment for just yeah. a moment and just listen to what they're saying, whether you agree with it or not, listen to what they're saying. Because even if you do not agree with how they see life and how I'm sure there's, there's always a lesson to be learned in everyone's story. You know? In some ways you're, you're wanting to create an empathetic yeah. space, empathetic culture and a place where people aren't, like you said, they're not judging, but they're like, they're listening and they're connecting with the emotion and the experience of humanity. Yeah. You know, they say in right, right now, especially right now in the U.S., they're like, uh, uh, what is like, you're not allowed to say a lot of words. You're not you know, allowed to do a lot of things. Uh, you, like everything is, um, what's the word? Uh, 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 hot buttons, hot topics. Yeah. Like, you know, you're not allowed to say a lot of things and all that. Man, it's worse here. There's so much stigma to talk about so many things in this region. Let's be real. Like, it's it's a thing in the U.S. People think it's a bigger thing in the U.S. because the U.S. has the bigger media and everyone's talking about it. But your stigma is way bigger way weak in this region. Yeah, for sure. And to, to have a, sa- a safe space where people can just come and share their stories away from uh, from all the stigma of things. Yeah. That is my hope, and I, I see the struggle with I'm, my friends. I, I, my friends, they have amazing stories. And I tell them, like, this, you should share this. And they're like, ah, oh, I don't think I can. You know, but don't how you feel people... like that stigma would, would roll over to other places outside the doors of that cafe? What, uh, what like, if someone tells a story, like you mm. said, they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to share that story because of the stigma that it's going to bring and the shame that it's going to bring to, the, that... to a group of people that they don't know. If they share that story, they'll share, say with me, they know Abdullah's cool, like they can tell him whatever and he he will understand. He will not judge, he will listen. But now I'm sharing it in front of a group of people and I don't know half of these people here. And there's this whole stigma about what I'm about to say. So um, I I will not say it or I will choose something that's safer. And there are a few people who challenge that stigma and I respect that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the stigma is there. And by having a platform where people will feel safe to talk about things, it will break that stigma a little bit. People will be a little bit more empathetic. So that is my, that is my hope. Like, yeah, I'm with you. That's my hope. I I, my question I, I think comes to it's, it's yes. You know, as you do that, as you create that platform for people to share, it's going to make people, f- you know, feel f- more free um, to be able to share that to like, oh, I was able to open up and I wasn't rejected. I wasn't, there wasn't a negative stigma that came from that. People empathized with me and related to me. I'm not alone. Mm. I guess my, my bigger question is kind of zooming out from, um, from this event to the broader public and in in the hot topic issues and the stigma issues that is you know 
haram talk about like no we don't talk about that just hide it mm-hmm. how how do you i guess my question really is isn't at some level there's still going to be a fear of sharing because everyone knows you're muhammad flan 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 mm-hmm. and you know, it's some way or another, they know like someone might be there who knows your uncle's cousin's sister's <laughs> brother and the story's going to get around and you're going to have to deal with that stigma later. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Because of culture, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Particularly on women. Yeah. There's so many, so many things we as men can talk about that women cannot. And yeah. all of them, I, I have a lot of Omani uh, female friends who they cannot say the same things that I say on stage. So I realize that this could get them in trouble and I would never pressure them of course. to to tell a story. Like, this is the right thing to do. You have to share. Never. Because I don't, I don't how can I ever of understand of course. what they're going through? I see the aftermaths of it, but man, like I cannot even imagine. The so, repercussions for some is yeah. huge. That's why I say I hope somehow that yeah. the, 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 the People who are willing themselves, who are brave enough to come and share their stories, yes. somehow breaks the stigma yes. in the long run. I don't know how that's going to happen. It has to start somewhere, right? Yeah, it has to start somewhere. Someone has to stand, like Rosa yeah. Park. Yeah. She st- sat down, she didn't but stand up. But if I was her friend, I would never re- advise her to do that. I would be but like, thought. yo, you're going to get of her. Course. <laughs> so Rosa Park, right, and she, she stood up by sitting down in the front of the bus yeah. and said, no, I'm going to I'm gonna make a stand. So it has to start somewhere. I guess I I hear, you know, coming out of you, out of your heart, this piece of empathy for, for women, for people who don't have a voice, for um, people who can't be honest with the things that they struggle with because of stigma in, in a culture. And it's almost as if as a storyteller, you've moved from, this is just kind of what I see from this conversation that you've moved from, I'm going to be a technical best story, like visual narrative ever to realizing, oh, I need to connect with humanity. And as you've done that and you've turned towards that, you've become more empathetic as a human being looking at your culture around you and saying, but these people don't have a voice. Maybe I could give them a voice, even if it's for only that one minute that they're sharing a story. Maybe I could give them a voice that someone would be able to say, I see you. I know you. Absolutely. And that is that is the realization I've been coming to uh, the last, I'd say, couple of years. Yeah. Uh, it's like, okay, you you understand the art of, uh, or the craft of filmmaking. You understand it. I'm, I have so much more to learn. Okay. Uh, I have, I hope that I'll continue learning my whole life. I'm not saying that I, I get yeah, it. Yeah, of course. But I feel like, okay, you have this craft. Like you put in your 10,000 hours, you, you know, okay. But why? Yeah. What are you trying to? What is it unto you? Yeah. What are you doing? What are you trying to do with it? Really cool music videos. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, if that's your thing, if that's guys, your thing. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I mean, yo, you can tell very you powerful tell stories powerful with music stories. videos, right? Um, and. I actually, I, I did a vision board uh, for 2018. My friend Aisha, which I mentioned, Aisha, shout out twice, yo. Wow. Uh, she, 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 puts out, she puts this vision. Her Instagram will be in the show notes. <laughs> You're I don't know if she now, wants Aisha. that or not. Oh, sorry. Uh, probably. It won't be in the show notes, Aisha. <laughs> so she, she, she had the, like, uh, in 2017, she had a vision board, uh, uh, like, gathering, you know, uh, cool. New Year's. 
So I went. I didn't. I didn't put. I didn't take it too seriously. Whatever. But 2018 this year, I, you know, it's, I really thought about it. And 2017 sucked, and you figured you should probably do it. 2017 <laughs> actually was a pretty fun year, Good. man. But Good. it it was it was a fun year. Uh, it was more focused inwards. I had a lot to f- develop myself. Yeah. 2018, I'm continuing that trend of helping develop all these aspects that all these years I didn't spend on myself. I spent on my craft rather than spending understanding who I am. So uh, 2018 has been like, okay, I want to continue with that, understanding who Abdullah is, what Abdullah wants to do. But I also wrote in there that I want to have some, like in one of my main points, to have some sort of uh, positive impact on um, my society or culture. I didn't know how exactly, but one of them mm. is find a way to have an impact uh, on on society. Enough about me. Like now, what? Uh, so like, it's amazing. What can I do to give? What do I have that I could give back? And I felt at the time, like with the true story, tent that could be a very slow, but. Uh, a trend to a positive trend towards yeah. something towards more empathy and understanding because I learned so much listening to podcasts and listening to other people's stories. Perhaps others can learn that when it comes from here. Yes, like it's more accessible, you know. And it's you know, it's it's a much nearer culture. So it's like mm. sure people like me, for instance, women here in the Gulf. Sure, they could probably learn and identify from women in other cultures or nations, mm. but there's something dynamically, exponentially more powerful hearing another Arab woman's story that she's like, that is my story and I identify with that. Yeah, I, I don't think, uh, I think it will be very difficult for a Western woman or a woman that's, uh, or even a man, but more a woman that's born in Western culture to understand uh like how how difficult it is for women the the stuff that women have to deal with here in the arab world yeah. when it comes to societal pressures about certain things you're like if you don't want there's probably like i don't know maybe the thing like if you don't want to do it you're free just don't do it because oman is free in that way like if you don't want to wear the headscarf no one is going to stop you we are like in that way it's a free country you don't want to wear a headscarf don't wear a headscarf but there are social ramifications to that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's free, but it comes with the cost. It comes with the cost, the social cost to it. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of it, my, my female friends would tell me a lot of it from other women, not even yeah. men, from other women judging them. And they're unable to yeah. progress in their careers as much as they would. They aren't able to get that social respect. But when you hear the story coming from here, from another woman that's exactly in the same situation as you. Exactly. And how she had to deal with that and how she went beyond that to get the things that she wanted to get to achieve the things that she wants to achieve. Now it's much more likely to have an, a, a real impact on the, yeah. the the listener that's listening. Uh, so as much as you can learn from different cultures, but for instance, it gives empathy and courage mm. when you hear it. someone who looked like me and sounds like me and yeah. grew up like me, yeah. she did it. So can yeah. I, it's uh, same like, uh, even though I'm an Arab, but I'm a guy. And I would never re- really understand until I hear it, like, explained to me from a person Absolutely. That's, that's, you know, that's been through it. Um, yeah. In wrapping up, as there's young people listening to this show across the Gulf who 
are interested in telling their story and interested in understanding and reflecting on their narrative. Um, you know, I, I, you know, the title of the show is own the future. And I really do believe like you've alluded to it's understanding your narrative, Mm self-reflecting, becoming self-aware, saying, who am I as a human being? Why do I believe what I believe? Who, like, where am I going and why am I going in that direction? And is that where I want to be going? Or do I need to do something about it? Just like you starting True Story Tent. In some ways you said, I want this. No one else is doing it. Wait, why? At some point you had to stop and say, why Like, why not me? Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't I do this? If this is something that I want in my life instead of waiting to be a victim of the moth <laughs> who maybe hasn't even heard of Oman. No, probably not. Like, don't get in touch. Get in touch. <laughs> um. What would you say to those those people into how to one understand their narrative and their story and two how to begin to share their narrative and their story? Hmm. It's the story the story that you tell yourself when no one's listening is is what's going to shape where you're headed. Yeah, I, I believe that. You, the story that you, the, the things that you tell yourself, the, which I think people should do, should spend time with themselves, reflecting, understanding, man, just like basic journal bullet points. Don't like, you don't even have to write, just reflect and where you have been and where you've come till today, that story, that narrative that you tell yourself will help you get to where you need to go. So this is one of my biggest fears in the whole world, honestly. This is something that really, I feel like it's a driving force for a lot of the things that I do. It's not necessarily related to storytelling, but it's the driving force of why I always, why I leave my comfort zone more often. Mm-hmm. Because I, I have this, this thing that, uh, that for years now, I, I imagine myself as an old man, and I, it's a reoccurring image that happened. I imagine myself as an old man. I could easily do that. I, I could see myself as an old man in my deathbed, okay? And it's it's not death that I fear. Um, but I, I imagine being that old man, I'm not, I cannot walk. I cannot, uh, I can hardly move. There's n- that's it. I reach the end of my life and I know it. And hopefully my, the, my grandkids or my kids are around me like, hopefully I have, you know, I have them at that point, but maybe they all know it. Like my life is over and I put myself in that. I am that old man. I am that old Mm -hmm. man. And I reflect on my life when I was capable of walking. Why didn't I not run when I had legs that were healthy enough to run? Why did I not quit a job that I hated when I was capable of doing it. Why did I not pursue this scary dream when I had time? I had my whole life ahead of me. Now I'm here. I'm in my deathbed. There's nothing I can do. The chance is gone. I'm, it's such a sad, sad place to be. Yeah. And all of a sudden, <laughs> here I am back again, 28. Whoa, I have my whole life ahead of me. I'm not that old man. I'm actually still You're young. Really young. Yo, uh, like I could run. Hell, I ran my first 21k half marathon last, like uh, this January, because I could run. I have legs to do it. 
uh, I'm pursuing things that I would never, I was too scared because I was too introverted because yo, guess what? I'm not that old man in that bed that's dying. Yeah. I could do it, you know? Um, just meeting new people who are like terrified to go out like and just talk to them because like, who am I? Why would they want to talk to me? Who cares? I'm, I'm, I could do it. I could walk. I could stand up on my two legs. I have uh, the strength and the ability to actually walk up to them. And I have my full mind still with me, hopefully, <laughs> to be able to hopefully. talk to them. I am not that old man. Thank God. Because yes. I honestly, like, if I have this, I, like, when I'm that old man, I'm like, this sucks. Mm. My chance is gone. That's That thought scares me. It's not like, it's not the fear of making mistakes, man, you get over mistakes. It's the fear of not doing the things that when that you could have done when you had the chance to do it. So I feel like people should own their stories. They should own their future. I did not- Own your stories, I did, I did, own your future. I did not mean to go to the- <laughs> That is awesome. But man, yeah, you, you got, yeah, exactly. But that is it. You have the ability to do that. So stop victimizing yourself preach yeah stop treating yourself like you're not worth anything your your story is as valuable as anyone else is like i i'm saying this not for the just for the people who's listening sometimes we all forget yeah including myself yeah and you know i've uh, not too long ago also i went through a phase where i almost forgot that so i'm saying this not just to remind people but to remind myself in your your worth, your story is worth as much as anyone else. You're as equal as anyone else. Uh, and there's no That's reason that. for you to stop, uh, to, to stop you from achieving what you want to achieve. You make a mistake. So what? Gosh, that's really good. I mean, like you said, it's, that's not just a one and done. Yeah. You, you visualize that often. And, um, two things you said was like, just going back to own your story, own your own the future. It's that inner narrative that, mm-hmm that is playing that track that's playing through your mind um defining you when no one else is around and you're defining yourself and then you play that track out to when you're 85 on your deathbed you haven't died and you're saying wait what life will i live if i continue in this way but instead you wake back up at 28 and you say no i i am in control of the things i choose to do or choose not to do i'm not a victim yeah so essentially, it's like you went back in time. It's yeah. like, because if you really were that old man or that old woman, and yeah. you really believe that you are there and you really feel the pain to be in that position, yeah. then you're literally going back in time and being like, whoa, lucky me. <laughs> I have all the time in you're the world. You're not a victim. <laughs> yeah. You're not a victim. Yeah. And you have, you do have the ability to own your future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Abdullah. This was great. I've just had a, such a, a pleasurable time sitting, talking with you, getting to hear your heart, hearing your your story, your narrative, and uh, most importantly, yeah, just hearing those yeah those deeper places in your heart as a as a storyteller and as a human, and um, you know the things that really move you, and that meant so much to me that you'd open up and share with me and with the audience. And so thank you for telling your own true story. Well, thank you for giving me the platform to do that. Oh my gosh. Uh, uh, I, I, I hope that I could help, uh, you know, even if one person listens and I, I gave a little bit from my history or past that's helpful to them, 
I'm I'm happy with that. So thank you for just letting me talk, man. <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. Guys, thank you for listening. Your time and your attention is valuable. Uh, follow Abdullah. His Instagram notes will be in the show notes. Which What is your Instagram handle? At m3.wali. That is going to be in the show notes. And True Story Tent is also in the show notes. Follow, subscribe. And if you enjoyed this, got something out of it, DM me or Abdullah and let them know because we love hearing from you. And number two, tell someone else that you think might find value in Abdullah's story. Thanks for listening. That's all we have for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Lucas Scrobot, signing off. Own your story and you will own your future. That was awesome. I really that. That was that. like yeah. fire. <laughs> that, that was like, you're, were you tearing up at a couple points? A what? Were you tearing up? No, I think it was just my core. I'm like, oh, he's <laughs> crying. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't tear up, but like it, it got like I, my heart was really beating hard at some yeah, point. Yeah, I got emotional. <laughs>